Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete. And this is Peyton Jones. Or as I like to say, this is Pete Jones and Peyton Mitchell. So I saw a really funny uh, thing about if you couldn't uh, decide on who you were going to have, um, you know, to vote for between Hillary and Trump, uh, you can vote for Clump. And it was a picture of Hillary Clinton. That's the scariest picture i've ever seen on the internet with trump's hair and it looks real it's scary it's like <laughs> you look at that picture and you're just like oh this is not good so i'm sure that most of our listeners since you know they're sane people that they realize this is the biggest setup in history i mean we have been set up by the media big time there's no way that trump made it as a republican nominee except for the fact the media just pushed him and pushed him towards it and now, basically, he's not going to be able to stand against Hillary. That is my election. Why do you prediction. think that? I totally think he's going to win. You think? Yeah. Over Hillary? You think so? I do. I do. Now, now understand, that's not I want him to win. Oh, of course. You know what? This is one of those times where it's like, I want to go become a citizen of the moon now. I, where, exactly. <laughs> where else do you go? Yeah. You can't go to Canada. I mean, we had, I think it was like Mike Niels. Isn't he a Canadian? I Hey, I, I still want to become a citizen of Sealand and uh, oh, plan our church therapy. Yeah. That goes back well, to the early days of this podcast. Well, you, you know that Her Majesty just passed away like two weeks ago. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Now's the time to revolt, Pete. I'm telling you, now is the time to actually go take over the Principality Seize of Sealand. the power. Yeah. <laughs> Rise up. Yeah. Look at my shirt. Rise up, yo. People have no idea what we're talking about. 
The Principality of Sealand, yo. I'm just waiting for them to do a movie on it. I don't know why they haven't yet. Smallest country in the world. It's actually an old World War II. Uh, um, I don't even know what you call it. Oil derrick or something. Out it, in the- I, I want to call it an oil derrick, but it's not an oil derrick. It was like a, a gunning platform off of the coast of England. And it's from World War II. Yeah. And at the time, uh, in the 1960s, it was abandoned. And international waters at that time was only like, like you, you as an, a sovereign nation could only claim, I think, six miles out from your border as like part of your property. And uh, this, this World War II, whatever you want to call it, oil derrick looking thing was just outside of that. And so this uh, old Royal Navy um, major, I think he was, commandeered it under the uh, international salvage laws and made it his own country. And on an early version of our podcast, you and I talked about how we were going to go plant and be the only church plant in uh, that country. And we could have 100% attendance. Yeah, we could. I have every one from this country and then america couldn't claim to be the most christian nation in the world anymore what makes me sad though pete is that we don't know uh if her majesty was churched or not because we, we never went we don't they actually did go to court and uh and the courts came back and, and won and when when international waters went out to 12 miles from your border <laughs> their response was hilarious they go, it just so happens that yesterday we did the same thing with the Principality of Sealand and we made it 12 miles out. And since, uh, you know, uh, England is, we're now technically in England, we just assume that it's the same. Uh, we split the difference, just like, you know, the US and Canada <laughs> does, you know, in, in the waterways. We split the difference. We're halfway, they're halfway. Because they happen to have it. done it the day before England oh, did that. Man, they, you know what, they should just, I mean, they plan in their own country. They they need to be their own church planners. Well, They're clever. Th- the story is so great because they've been taken over by this uh, Dutch guy who brought like all of his friends to take over the island. And, and the guy's son, they had him tied up because they wanted, I mean, it was technically its own island, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, we could do anything we want here. And, um, but the thing is, the king, who was part of the Royal Navy, a major... He's got friends, <laughs> so he brought back all of his friends, and they totally recaptured the island. And it. he was he was in their jail, right, which was like one of the two structures on the island <laughs> uh, for a month. And finally, I think it was uh, Holland. They like went to England saying, "Hey, this dude has kidnapped these people." And you need to help. And England pointed to the court case that proved it was its own country. And they're like, I'm sorry, it's its own country. You got to take it up with them. <laughs> Pete, I'm, I'm learning about you, my friend. You you are actually a bit of a historian on the Principality of Sealand. You, you, you know stuff. It's, it's just got movie written all over it. They issue their own uh, passports. You can actually get a passport from the Principality of Sealand. So on top of everything else we dream about, when are we going to make the movie script? I love it, right? I love it. And and what was the other thing about it? Starring us. Because there is a, a comic strip. If you if you Google the early days of this podcast and you put C Land and Peyton and Pete. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, uh, Brandon Brooks made a comic strip that's about right. us on C Land, planting a church. Yeah. 
That's I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean their 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 currency because they they created their own currency. It's uh, equal to one U.S. dollar. <laughs> it's wow. like I loved what they did. They were just like, okay, we're our own country now, and we got court documents to prove it. I dig it, man. Yeah, That's so cool. It is cool. I think you could do the same with where you live and the city you live in. You, you guys are right. Well, I do know that uh, <laughs> Peter did that on Family Guy. He 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 created his own country. His house was like somehow in. It wasn't claimed by anyone, so he he, he created his own country. Yeah, so not that uh, I watched that show. Uh, uh, bad show, bad show. Who's who's the son on that? What's his name? Chris. Chris Griffith. So I was in a meeting the other day and the guy goes, hi, you're supposed to go around. The guy goes, hi, my name's Chris Griffith. Like the cartoon Griffin. I can't remember Griffin. I can't remember what, what, what meeting I was at, but crack me up. Cause I'm thinking now there's a cartoon character. I don't know. And I was kind of shocked. So I quick on my phone and boom, he came up and I'm like, that's why I don't know. I'm too holy to watch that. Did you know? Maybe you did. You had to have, I just read it this morning that there is a new show coming out on Netflix this year, an updated Voltron. Oh, yes, I did read about that. Yeah. Yes, I get Geeks of Doom news. Oh, okay. So I, uh, I'm usually the first to know. That's crazy, huh? An updated I can't Voltron. I Knight Rider comes out. They're not doing a Knight Rider. They got to do a Knight Rider. They're not the going to do a Knight Rider. He's a crusader in time, Pete. Oh, that was such a great <laughs> show. Loved that show. It was good. So we what did, happened to you this eventually week? Eventually, we need to do our intro that we talk about for the Church Planner Podcast, where it's that, that theme oh. song in the background. Well, that's your job. You're the creative one. I know. It's just time. Peyton and Pete, Crusaders in time. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Just so we can say that. We can get business cards with, like, kit on it, you know? that <laughs> has the red light flashing back and forth on our business card. Like that would be cool. I like it. Is this going to be right up there with our Ninja Star business cards that you keep trying to get me hey, to spend money on? That's going to happen. I'm just saying that. I love how you like send it to me. Hey, can we buy these? Can we buy these? You can do whatever you want with your money, buddy. <laughs> no, 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 no. With our with our fortune, we yeah, I know. I know what you mean by it. And I'm like, you can do whatever you want with your money. <laughs> with your cut, pal. Here you go. <laughs> I, I was able to buy some business cards. <laughs> hey, so I had a funny thing happen this week. What's up? I was okay. This is like a dad thing. If you got kids, you know what the deal is with this. Um, wife asks you to do something with the kids, and you're totally cool. You're down with it. You're like, Yeah, I got this handle, babe. No problem. And I ended up, uh, what it was, I had to take my daughter to speech therapy. Mm. And uh, so, you know, she she's speech therapy. She's got uh, issues with the stroke and some other things when she was born. And, uh, so I take her to speech therapy and it's not till I get into the lobby and I'm getting ready to put her down. I realized baby has no shoes. Nice. Isn't that nice? Nice. And, uh, and I'm like, Oh crud. And of course I'm thinking maybe no one will notice. So the first thing, and I, and we're, we're like, she takes us in pairs of kids. So, uh, there's another dad who happens to be there with, uh, his daughter. And so she comes out and she goes, Hey, uh, uh, good to see you. And she says to the, to the other girl, Oh, I like your shoes. <laughs> like, I kid you not. And I'm like, well, there goes that. Right. Like can't hide it now. 
So I said, well, don't look at her shoes because now I got to now I got to bring attention to it, but make it funny. And the, the other dad looks over at me and goes, oh, man, he goes, I forgot my daughter's shoes, too. But I, I had time to drive back and get them. <laughs> I just I just thought, man, that's such a dad thing. Dad leaves a house with the kid, no shoes on. Boom. But see, I don't even like Mackenzie. She cannot stay in the car for more than 20 seconds without ripping her shoes off and socks. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, what's the point? Why am I even putting them on? She's not going to leave them on. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to let her walk barefoot everywhere, right? You're going to carry her. Right. <laughs> we got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. That's all I'm saying. And that's worth saying, my friend. It is worth saying. So um, I don't know that I really had anything fun happen this week, except I did actually. Uh, I met up with Jimbo Balaam yesterday. You did? I did. Nice. I had him come over and detail my car. He's a, he's a mobile detailer, for those who don't know. Found out uh, the latest haps on what's going on in his life. What's going on in Jimbo Balaam's life? Third kid on the way. I know. I know. We I said know. it like it was sad. Well, it, Jimbo was pretty <laughs> don't funny say about it. it. Don't say it. Jimbo was pretty funny about it. He's like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> no more. Yep. yep. And... uh yeah, so, I mean, you know, we talked about several different things. I think he and I are going to actually be putting on an event for uh, mobile detailers. Nice. I'm going to teach nice. them how to market their business, and uh, he's going to teach them whatever he teaches. He's got his own podcast. We we actually inspired his podcast. He does. I, I Last time I checked, and I don't know that there's a huge amount of competition. I know that, there's I know no there's competition. He, what? There's no competition for him. Well, he was killing it because he was doing like one or two minute deals, right? He and was at uh, one time, but he doesn't do that anymore. Now he does an hour or not an hour. He does a uh, one well, podcast a week, but he's yeah, got, he, he was doing like a daily one to two minute, right? Yeah. And he was, he shot to the top. Yeah. Well, he's he getting like people hey, who are me. like reaching out saying, Hey, we want to sponsor your podcast. And he actually has a pretty big audience because there's no competition. Think about it. If you're a detailer. What are you going to do all day long? You're going to listen to music, listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Why not listen to the auto detailing podcast? I mean, he could actually make his podcast while he was detailing cars. Well, I think he did. Yeah. Cause that's what I would told him to do. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he was doing that, but we're going to be putting on an event for, uh, for detailers. And apparently nice. he's got another, another contact. He's got like this huge YouTube channel. But again, both these guys don't understand marketing. They don't understand how to like monetize all this. And I'm like, dude, I'll work with you guys because I'm looking at this going, all right, cool. This will be an extra twenty grand. Extra this twenty is grand my cash cow. I, I like that. I dig it. Just put a little, put a little extra coin in Pete's pocket. I dig it. I dig it. And I get a finder's fee, of course, right? For bringing us together. <laughs> <laughs> a match made in heaven. Ooh. Oh, so, he's a great guy, man. I miss Jimbo. So hey, um. Are you going to go see Batman versus Superman? I will. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm not sure when I'm going to see it. Mm. So this last Sunday, I went to the movies and I actually bought uh, tickets to the theater down there by Refuge, uh, Big Refuge. Yeah. The the Bella Terra, whatever it's called, or Terra Bella. Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. Whatever theater that is. Nice theater. I just felt like I didn't want to be so so ghetto all the time and go to the Long Beach Theater. Yeah. So, so, um, you gotta live a little sometimes. Yeah. 
spend that extra four bucks. So, well, the thing is, it's actually cheaper when you buy the discounted tickets to go there than it is to Edwards. Edwards totally jacked up their prices. Wow. So, yeah. Did you go to Costco and get the discount or something? Yes, but now that's 20 bucks and it used to be 16 Oh. So I'm like, whatever. You know. So anyway, I went there. I went to go see 10 Cloverfield Lane. Have you seen that? Or seen the previews no. for it? I've never seen the first one. Well, it's not really a continuation. Right. But it's kind of. So anyway, I went there to go see it. But I, I must have looked at the wrong theater because I showed up like 40, 40 minutes before it started. And so then I just decided to go in and see the Divergent movie instead. So I just walked into that one and saw it. So What are those things? Divergent. Divergent. It's kind of yeah. like Hunger Games. It's like all these tween books that I guess sold really well. They're turning them into movies. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was just like the other two. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but I mean, I kind of wanted to see 10 Cloverfield. Anyway, the whole point of that is so normally Sunday's my day, right? But this Sunday's Easter. So I don't know if I can go to the movies. Unless you go see risen, then you'd be cool. Well, no, I'm not going to go see Risen. I don't even think it's in the theater anymore. I don't think it lasted very long. <laughs> Probably doesn't have much of a shelf life past Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it in the 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 list of available movies in a long time. Yeah, there was another one called um, Young Messiah. I was looking for a movie the other night because my anniversary happened, right? 19 years, tried to book a hot air balloon. Um, they canceled it. Second time this has happened when it, you know. It, it's not looking good for us to get on it. That's my wife's, like, that's on her bucket list. So I figured, you know, we get up there and do that. And uh, maybe nature or God is trying to tell us something. I don't know. But what I want to know is when they land the hot air balloon, which is going to be a couple of miles away from where you took off, what do you do? Huff it back? <laughs> they got a van that picks you up. <laughs> but but here's the deal. You know, I'm I'm calling. Like, as soon as I call, like, right before we're getting ready to leave, like, oh, no, 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 it's canceled. The, the high altitude winds are too high. So anyways, I get, I'm, I go back into my office. I'm calling the Globe Theater in San Diego downtown. I'm calling, uh, the gondola rides. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up every cool romantic thing possible and it's all bunk. So I figured we'd just talk, right? But, but before that, I, I was trying to squeeze in Superman, Batman movie, you know, not, not the most romantic. But Tuesday was a little bit too soon. But um, but anyways, uh, there was a reason I brought that up, which I completely forgot. So. I think you just wanted to talk about the fact that you've been married for 19 years and how amazing everyone thinks it is that you found someone that would stick with you for that long. It is pretty amazing. It is miraculous. Yeah, yeah. Especially Luke, because I'm not rich. Luke, that's, yesterday, that's crazy. he says to me, he goes, uh, so, Daddy, are you going to be 41 after 40 like Mommy? And I go, not until long after mommy is 41. <laughs> and then I Facebooked that. And then the wife didn't didn't appreciate it too much. But hey. No, I would imagine she did not. She's the older woman. That's all I'm saying. Six months? Uh, four. And let me yeah. tell you, I let her know every day during those four months. <laughs> Ironically, my daughter told me this morning. She, she was correcting me something. I said, how long have you been alive? She goes, seven years. I go, how long has daddy been alive? And she goes, 42 years. I said, that's right. So I probably know stuff, huh? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, but mommy knows more than you because she's older than you. And I'm like, only six months. 
And then I, I had a very clever thing to say that I did not say because it gets repeated by the seven-year-old to mommy. Oh, <laughs> was it, was it, what's in the box? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it that time, Pete? I don't know. It's it's probably coming up on on that time. Uh, let, let me let me let me play a little Yoda for us. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by Mogive. What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? California, stay away from here. Stay away from here now. Don't don't, don't come in here. Whatever you hear, stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. <laughs> I love that. John Doe has the upper hand. I want to go back and see that movie so bad. Every time I play those clips, I'm like, I really want it. But I can't watch that around my kids or my wife or think? any Christian I know other than you. Yeah. Yeah. The the strange thing is he makes a really good point. The uh, psychopathic serial killer. I guess, I guess. Yes. So um, let me ask you a little something before we, we get too off track here, Peyton. Ask away, my friend. <sighs> Have you been wanting to get started with online giving? You know, Pete, for as long as they've been paying for sponsorship on this podcast, I sure have. <laughs> <laughs> have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Uh, you know what? For the sake of argument, Pete... <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm actually a MoGive customer, uh, why, yes, I have. Well, stop it. A better solution is here. It's MoGive.com forward slash church. And that's spelled uh, M-O-G-I-V dot com. <laughs> Dude, did you see that email I forwarded to you? I think it was by uh, Andrew. And he, he emails us and he goes, hey, I just I wanted to let you know I listen to the podcast and every once in a while. Uh, you guys mentioned how you visited a website <laughs> and you wanted to donate money to them, but they didn't have MoGive, so so you didn't donate to them. I just want you to know I just signed up with MoGive and I've got it on my yes. website. <laughs> yes. Here's the link. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was so awesome. I'm like, he listens. He listens. Now, who was this? Oh, man. It was, it was Andrew. I think it was Andrew who's in uh, Jump School. Oh, that is so funny, man. Now I got it. Now you're going to make me. That is classic. It. Oh, by the way, I signed up to MoGive, and here's the link <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Dude, I loved it. I loved it. So, uh, just a, just a, another little quick reminder to everyone that jump school videos and study guides are here. In fact, uh, have you seen the book? Did I show you the book? Oh, so sweet, man. I want a copy so bad. Well, you I act, mean, you, I did write it. You, you have to pay for it. See, there's 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 none free to the authors <laughs> because the author didn't even pay for it. I'm just yeah, saying. Norm, normally in the publishing world, the author gets, you know, about 100 free copies. Just saying. Yeah, but that's when they think that it's actually going to be a, a success. I know you too well. <laughs> I, I know no one's going to buy a book by Peyton Jones. That's why hey, I think Zondervan is kind of funny. Zondervan hey, giving you money it, for your book. It's, it's actually... Uh, now official, I can say it out loud. I signed a contract with Zondervan, baby. Cha-ching! <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> so keep an eye out um, for the book. Uh, I can't announce a title yet because we don't know what it is, but we're working on it. But I liked your title that you suggested, Pete. I'm sexy and I know it. How to reach millennials. 
Absolutely. I think that is a great title. And it's gotten the most votes. I, I created a group called the Inklings that uh, I, I kind of uh, gather people I know and respect and Pete. And uh, I know. And I was like, why did he add me to this? <laughs> and uh, we, we, we've been hammering around and batting about names. And that was Pete's. And it pretty much turned the whole group. Oh, yeah, we like that one. <laughs> so, anywho, maybe we should actually get into our topic. What is our topic today? Our topic today is uh, how to avoid burnout in bivocational church planning. What is the secret sauce that keeps you going without fizzling out or burning up? Was it how to do a burnout? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, we could do it the opposite, you know. Uh, Ten ways to make sure you burn out. And that's when the itching started. (laughs) And what happened next? Nobody could have guessed. I think think we should do all of our podcasts now in clickbait format. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know, Pete right now is going through this thing where everything he posts – He's doing as clickbait on but Facebook. What happened? If he posts a picture of his kid, he'll put like, but what happened next? Even grandma didn't suspect. One of them I just did was, uh, it was this video of these uh, three little wiener dogs and they're like chariots of, of fire, right? They're, they're all harnessed up and this little girl is sitting on a skateboard and she's getting pulled all around the backyard. It's absolutely hilarious, right? And so I put, this is one of the funniest movies I've ever, or videos I've ever seen. But wait until the end. <laughs> Some people like actually watch it to the end, thinking it's going to be anything special. No, it's just a stupid dogs <laughs> running around <laughs> with a chariot. I mean, you know, that's so. awesome. So let's talk about burnout, man. What's what's uh, what's our focal point on this? Because I think a lot of church planners go through that. <laughs> yeah, I think Bible uh, and otherwise. I think yeah. I, th- I think trying to get the balance right between working a full-time job um, and doing a church plant um, and, then, and then your family, you know, uh, just working a job and having family, that's a hard balance to get already. Um, I was listening to um, an entrepreneur uh, interview, um, someone from uh, one of those big entrepreneurial, uh, blue, uh, was it like Bloomberg or something? They were interviewing Gary Vaynerchuk and she asked him, how do you get the balance? Right. And well, at least, goes, you know, there when, is no, at least, you know, when Gary talks, he's not going to cuss. So that's, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's always for the kids. And, uh, you know, Gary just ended up saying, look, there, there is no balance. He goes, the, the fact is people like us, you know, that, that tend to be really successful. We're not balanced entrepreneurial types. And, and a lot of times you, you watch a guy where he's globetrotting, he's doing all this, and you think either A, the wife doesn't like him that much, or B, um, doesn't miss him that much, or C, hates it, but's putting up with it for a time. And what happens a lot is, you know, I think that um, it, w- when you've got someone doing something entrepreneurial-like, with entrepreneurial tendencies, um, it, it sucks a lot of your time. It's like a business startup in some ways. Okay, there's different rules. You're not making money. You're not doing all that stuff. But which, in some ways, can can make it as hard, if not harder. Um, but but the deal is, when you're trying to get the balance, you're already by default kind of out of balance. 
because you're just trying to if you're if you're working a full time job and trying to balance your family, that's hard enough for the average man. So when it comes down to throwing in an entrepreneurial venture on top of that, um, you really need to be super, super careful and not sacrifice your family because you're doing this important mission, quote unquote, for God. One of the things that I'll say, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, is that uh, for an entrepreneur, there isn't a thing as balance. But one of the best ways I heard it described is that you can still have a harmony. Yeah. And not necessarily a balance, but there's a, there's a harmony to what you do. Because, I mean, pre-kids as an entrepreneur, for me, look totally different than post-kids as yeah. an entrepreneur. And yeah. I love I, working. I love doing what I do. And um, But I know that now that I got kids, I don't want to be the absentee dad. So And I work at home. Right, which has got its own issues because they can come running out to me whenever they want. They pretty well know not to. Like Jamie's trained them not to disturb dad while he's working. Yeah. But when the dinner bell rings, basically for me, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. That and that's a key right there is making sure that you know that like you've got times where it's done. Steve Jobs ironically would not allow any electronic devices. Uh, at the table, and he strove to be home for dinner every single night. And even if it meant he had to go back out later, but he had this sacred kind of family time. And I agree, it's the same for me. I won't work 10, 11, 12 hour days, uh, you know, for my family. So so the Bible guy is listening going, well, that's cool because you're, you're set aside to do this now. Um, what what would you do? Well, like you said, kids throw a different dynamic in there. And you, you know, I always say this, um, your church can get another leader, uh, even your church plan. Um, your kids can't get another dad. Well, technically they can, but I think I understand what you're going for. (laughs) (laughs) So your, your kids, you know, you, you need to pour into them and invest into them. And you only get them for so long. I read a quote by a guy the other day. He goes, my daughter turned nine. And he goes, and I realized I'm now at the halfway mark till she's out of the house. And I just broke down crying. He's like, I never cried, but it just hit me. The reality that I'm at the halfway mark with this girl. Like, and then she's gone. So, you know, I think you need to keep that in perspective. Um, for- I, think, I think you need to have set aside time that is like, like you said, it's very sacred. So <clears throat> let's say you're bivo, you got a day job, you're planting a church at the same time. That means a lot of your Sunday is going to be taken up right there. Um, I don't know what your bivo job is, but let's say you work, you know, regular business hours during the day that leaves you evenings and you're like, okay, I got to work on my church plant as well. There needs to be some evenings, multiple evenings that are set aside for family. And like, that's it, you know? Yeah. That's that's our family time. Like I know for me, every Friday night we're gonna go somewhere after dinner. Saturday night we're gonna go somewhere after dinner or for dinner. And I try not to do anything on those evenings, so that way when I do have to do something, like next week I'm gonna be out of town for those. It's not a big deal because it's not like I'm constantly missing them every month. You know, I've got 
one or two that I miss. I don't, I don't really miss them. And it, it leaves me, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a goodwill bank, right? I get this goodwill over here set aside. So when I need to be gone, I don't feel bad about it. The wife doesn't feel bad about it. She gets yeah. it. I'm not asking for too much when I do that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Everybody knows about this book. If you don't know about this book, shame on you. Go download it from Audible or read it. It is fantastic. Was that, was that, talk- was that directed at me? Go download it from Audible? Shame Pete. on you, Pete Mitchell. You should have just said, go download it from Audible, Pete. Well, obviously, he stole your ideas because what you said was exactly what he says in the book. And that is that uh, your spouse has a love tank. Everyone has kind of a love tank. What makes them feel loved? You know, it. it I've been <laughs> telling my wife, my love tank's on empty for a while now. <laughs> when he mentions, like, there's all these different ways you fill it up. For some people, um, it's physical intimacy. You know, for other people, it's time talking. It's what's called quality time. You for can chalk me up to the physical intimacy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to talk. <laughs> it's like Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am. And so here's the deal. We're we're basically talking that you're saying the love tank is is full. I keep it topped up so that we're not running below empty and running out of gas. So yeah, like you said, I can go longer without filling it up, go on a on a trip, go away. And there are seasons and rhythms of your life. So um, but but what I how I think for women that that it really that there's two major things. And sometimes I get these things right. Sometimes I get them wrong. Number one, they need to feel a part of what you're doing. So you need to be doing it together. It can't be the other woman. It can't be the church can't be the mistress. It can't be like, hey, I got to go spend time now with this other thing I love. Um, you should be taking her with you. You should be kind of like the the coined phrase now, uh, family on mission. This should be a family affair. You guys should be church planning together as a team, as a family unit. You're not leaving the wife wife behind in the dust. One of the ways I do this is um, at our leaders meetings, we have male and female leadership because we believe that females should pastor the females. So we have shepherdesses. We have evangelists that are female. Wesley had it. Um, Priscilla Aquila, you got a male and female teacher team. Um, a third of the people that that Paul greets in Romans are women that he mentions as his teammates, partners in the work, uh, my fellow workers. Um, so we we will have a mixed leadership. And so therefore, it's not like Gone with the Wind where, you know, the men stay downstairs and talk about politics and smoke cigars and make all the decisions for the church while the women are sent upstairs to take naps. Remember that at the, uh, at the big make picnic? lunch. Come on. Gone with the Wind. They, they go upstairs and take naps. That's one of the funniest things in cinematic history. They, they need, send them all upstairs. To they take need to head to the kitchen and make me a sandwich. <laughs> oh, that's actually a line from X-Files when uh, Mulder and Scully had to uh, pretend that they were husband and wife in this one episode. And Mulder <laughs> goes, woman, make me a sandwich. And so I say that to Jamie all the time. Uh, it's great. So, so you go to so that love tank. I'm slowly taking out of it when I say that to her. <laughs> you are, yeah. <laughs> and if you think like a bank, it's like you're making withdrawals, and then you can hit overdraft. So I if, got overdraft if protection. Woman I'm feels good. that the church is in competition with her love and affection. 
then she will resent it. But if she's put first and she's actually brought in as a valuable team member, that makes a huge difference. And so juggling family, I hope you get what I'm saying right now. Juggling family is your first priority. I do. And interestingly enough, this week I read an article on CNN from uh, 2012, actually. It showed up in my Facebook feed, which is where I get all my news. And it was on uh, Andy and Charles Stanley and their rift that they had between them and, uh, you know, two mega pastors in Florida, aren't they? Isn't that where their churches are? I think they're in Georgia. Okay. Wherever it is, it's nowhere near us. <laughs> and um, I found it interesting. I mean, it was a really, I thought, a really good article that church planners probably ought to read because it talks about, you know, the family dynamics and they went through this this serious uh, rift between the two of them. But interestingly enough, when when the dad, you know, who was the original mega church pastor, um, when he went through his divorce with his wife, you know, the article, and again, this is from CNN's perspective, right? This is not, you know, it wasn't written. This isn't on ChristianPost.com or anything like that or Christianity Today. This is, you know, the outsiders, if you will, looking at these guys. And they didn't really talk much about her because I guess she didn't really want to be interviewed for the article. But supposedly one of the complaints that she had was that he already had another woman and that was the church. And mm. she just, she just got fed up with it. Yeah. She was like, this is, this is not what I want. Right. And so um, he, he made it clear that he wouldn't remarry because the Bible says that, that would be adultery. And um, he's like, I know a lot of Christians don't don't believe this, but I'm not going to remarry. But he also right. wouldn't leave the church, and he wouldn't give the the church a break. And I guess that was part of the reason there was a rift between him and his son, and all this other. But I just found that really interesting. Like the the church, not necessarily God, but the church was more important to him, right, than his family. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, and 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 how do you you know I I don't want to I don't want to speak ill of uh any anyone really including charles stanley but and i don't mean it like that i'm just bringing up a great example of no it you gotta put family first i remember first time i read that i was kind of like balking like how does that happen and if it happens you know you or it's even in danger of happening you pull away from ministry and say hey yeah whoa 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 hold everything you know because that will um, constantly be something that even people in his congregation will say, well, hey, you know, work for Charles Stanley, you know, other leaders can take a cue from that. And I, I, I think if, if that became acceptable, despite Paul's uh, instructions in the scripture, then, we, you know, we, we might be in trouble. You know, that might be the thing. The divorce rate in Jehovah's Witnesses is rampant because they place the mission over above the marriage. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And so if, if they, if, if, for example, a Jehovah's Witness is a pioneer and the wife doesn't want to be the pioneer, which is like you spend, is it like a hundred hours or something a, a week or a month? I can't remember what it is. No Some crazy amount of time that you're down at the beach with the, the awake or door to door or whatever it is, uh, meeting with people, then, um, you know, you're seen to be backsliding. And the Watchtower will actually advocate your first love needs to be the mission. And so they are, you know, taking Jesus's words, you leave brother, mother, sister, father, you know, uh, because of me. That's how they interpret that. Well, 
you know, I, I see it. Ephesians trumps that where it says, Hey, if you want to, if you want to model Christ's love, you lay your life down, you lay everything down for your spouse and, uh, and you model God's love and grace and commitment to her that way. And it's just totally a different way of, of, of looking at it. I don't think Jesus meant like, Hey man, if your wife's backsliding, you divorce her butt, you know, I don't think that's what it means at all. And so, yeah. No, because he said you're not to get a divorce except, uh, in adultery. Yeah, like he, that was his, was, that was his was, one get out of jail free was adultery. Yeah, yeah, he, it was kind of clear. So, you know, the the deal is, is that we all get it wrong. Like, you know, I, far be it from me to stand here and to say I get it right all the time. If you talk to my wife, she'll say, you know, sometimes, even even to this point where I I limit. You mentioned your time. Now, I love what I do. If my wife's out with friends, I might do something like play a video game, but I might get some work done because I love working. In fact, my biggest tendency that I fight against, and I think I'm successful, is being a workaholic. But if you ask my wife sometimes, she'll be like, yeah, no, I, I, I think you've been, you've been out of focus or you haven't really mentally been here for the kids. Even if my hours are kept to 40 or less, she might feel that she's not been priority. And, and, and so it's not just a matter of time. It's also a matter of if you topped up that love tank, like let's say, for example, you got to work uh, that night to do something with the church. If your wife saw you make time to say, hey, babe, look, you know, um, I, I've got this tonight for the church and she's got to be with the kids. But you said, you know what, though, let's go for a walk. You know, I've got like two hours from the time I get home or an hour. What would you like to do? How can I? How can I bless you tonight? And, you know, for your wife, it might be like acts of service. It might be um, that you need to make the dinner or you need to pick up dinner or you need to, you know, whatever it is. And you're going to bless your wife and you're going to value her and put her first. Show her that you actually realize that you're not there that night. And uh, and you, you top up that love tank. You know, my, my wife used to tell me all the time. She's like, babe, it's not the amount of time you spend with me. It's the quality. She goes, if you spent 30 minutes talking with me every morning, I'd be good. I would, I would miss you the rest of the day. But she goes, if, if we spend a whole day and we don't talk till like nine o'clock at night, she goes, I got a problem. Like really talk, like if we're doing baths and bathing the kids and all that. So the way I've learned to swing my schedule is to be flexible. If my daughter has something in school, I move everything else out. So that I can go there for whatever competition or whatever, even if I got to back my work day up. Um, and everybody has that, you know, depending on your job, you can or can't do that. But the, the number one thing that I want to speak into on this is being a team leadership. If you kind of follow the old model of I am the pastor and I need to uh, juggle this church by myself. Remember, I talked about adding your family in, but so it's a we thing. It's not a you know uh, my wife versus the church, but it's a it's a we do this as a family. We're on mission together as a family. But not only that, but you're not the sole leader or leadership couple. That you've got other teams, uh, other people on your team that can share the load with you. So you don't have to be in the pulpit every uh, Sunday, which means. You're not studying every Saturday, um, you're, you know, or whenever it is, Friday night. You're not taking 
more time from the family all the time. Well, let me actually um, stop you right there. Let's say we've got a church planner who's uh, doing a, a majority of the preaching at their church plant. Maybe all of it. A lot of church planners are going to be yeah. doing all of it. And they got a full-time job, right? So they're working 40 hours a week and they got a family. Yeah. A few, uh, few kids running around the place, a spouse. Um, what would you say is, I don't know, the appropriate amount of time or how much time should they be spending putting together the sermon that they're preparing? Oh, gosh. In an average week. Yeah. I mean, because that alone could, like, really eat up a lot of time. Yeah, you know, the the number of hours that they suggest for people starting out is about 20. I, I mean, how are you going to do that? How are you going to put in I, 20 hours? I don't hours? think it's possible. Yeah. And and so what what I would say to that, gosh, man, you know, it's so funny because I always think we did that big series on preaching. I I always think I would love to train people how to make sermons, like literally just walk them through, like build a course or something like a day conference where you just teach people this is how you prep and this is the spirit in which you do it. And we're all different. Like you can't cookie cut that thing. But I would say this. What personally, the best thing I would do if if I were, especially today in today's technological age, to Lloyd-Jones said it this way. He goes, look, um, if you want to be a good preacher, you read sermons and you listen to preaching. So Lloyd-Jones started with, you need to be familiar with it. You need to immerse yourself in good preaching. And bad preaching too, because you need you need to be aware of the things that that are rubbing you wrong and why you know, so you can avoid what what's commonly known as preaching pitfalls. But um, but it, I'm on my commute to work, Pete, rather than um, listening to the talk radio and the guy screwing around on there or the church planner podcast. No, no, you can you always should. listen to that. Always listen to that. I'm just teasing. But and go to mogive.com or simplifychurch.com. You would you wouldn't have these these wisdom nuggets if you didn't listen to us. But you know, instead of you know rocking out or you know, and you might say, "Well, that's my relax time." Look, relax with your family. That's how it has to be right now. You need to be using that time not to be making all your phone calls. You need to be using that time, even if you said, "Hey, I'll, I'll call on my way home," but you need to be listening to preaching. Good preachers, guys like. I would say Tim Keller, because Tim Keller is, he's contextualizing the gospel probably better than almost anyone I hear. He's speaking in Manhattan to very intelligent, very liberal people. Um, then then listen to, to go through seasons where you try different people. Um, listen to some of the African-American preachers out there right now. Um, you know, listen to Derwin Gray, listen, listen to different flavors of preachers and, and pick out their strengths, but immerse yourself in how to present Alistair Begg, how to present the gospel, um, to go old school here. But as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century. Chuck Swindoll guys, a master communicator. Most of the stuff that people are talking about now, telling stories, all that, all the really trendy stuff. Chuck Swindoll was doing years ago, and he is a master, master communicator. Um, so, yeah. So you you need to be listening. Hmm. 
And Peyton Jones. So <laughs> how much time should they be spending? Can't avoid well, the question. Yeah, yeah. So if if we – here's the deal. You read yourself full. You preach yourself empty. And part of what I'm just saying is let's say you got 30 minutes each way to work every day or an hour each way. There's 10 hours a week, right? Five to 10 hours a week. That's part of your prep time. Even if you're preaching through Matthew, nowadays you can go to a website and you can find all of Alistair Begg's sermons on Matthew. You can find all of Chuck Swindoll's sermons on Matthew. You can go to Driscoll. Even though Driscoll's fallen from grace, um, he's basically like listening to a commentary. I mean, that's kind of his greatest strength, but also my biggest problem with, with his preaching is that it's straightforward just teaching. And, uh, but, but that, can, that can save you loads of time. Um, he has gleaned loads out of the commentaries and he's, he's given it back to you. So I would say, um, you know, that, that will replace a good chunk of your study. So there's five to 10 hours of study done for you right there. And, um, what will happen is as you're doing that, don't get in an accident, but you'll be finding your brain catching fire, like with all kinds of thoughts, thoughts outside the box, things that nobody said, but things that are triggered by what you're hearing. Guys, that's just a life hack for you as a bivocational church planner. That's going to save you tons of time. Also, too, um, one of the other things is every Sunday after church, doing lunch with another family. That's going to help you cycle through your church once a month doing a leadership uh, team meeting. But again, your spouses are there. Um, that's going to put you on mission together. These are just little uh, bivocational ministry life hacks. The other thing is make sure that you have Sunday mornings. If you're meeting Sunday mornings, um, you know, uh, for the first year or so, we meet Sunday nights. But let's say whatever your once a week is, you meet during that time, and you don't have any other meetings during the week, uh, except for maybe like a COG, a, a, a missional community or whatever, you're not going to be meeting Every night. This is one of the strengths of missional community models is that it's the whole family. Again, it's not time away from the family. It's not like, hey, babe, I got to go. Got to go do important stuff for God. Um, it's you doing stuff as a family together. But don't slam your calendar like more is better, bigger is better, the, the American ideology. Um, less is more, personally, I think. It gives people to actually do the stuff you preach about in the rest of the week. Hmm. So as far as getting back to my actual question of how many hours a week should they be putting in, you pretty much just say, listen to podcasts. <laughs> no. Um, what, what I would say to that is, um, gosh, um, if I were really, really cramped for time, I would bring up the passage I were going to preach about. In, and I've never done this because for me, I've been preaching 22 years or more, right? So for me, it's not a big deal. Prepping sermons is not hard. It's the easiest part of what I do now. But I would say... And how many hours a week would you say you spend doing that at this point in your career? Very few. I don't need that much Three time. hours? I, four hours? Yeah. Two hours? Yeah, about that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying they'll be the best sermons ever. Um, well, you're, but, you're bivo. I, I, I mean, that's cool. I, I don't, I yeah. don't really think that that matters. I mean, 
But but one of the approaches I would use, if I'm the Bible guy who is listening to the podcast on the way, I would definitely set aside Sunday morning and ask your wife for help that morning and just say, look, I, I need to be alone Sunday morning to prep. Maybe it's uh, early Saturday morning before the day really begins. You get up early. But I would say definitely um, one strategy would be to take the passage you're going to preach on and do a Bible study discussion in that one time a week we were talking about earlier, where you tease it out. What do you think he's getting at? Why do you think this is important? What's Jesus really saying? Or what's Paul saying here? How do we apply that to our lives? And then now that's only going to be a small group in your church plant. Then you will, you sit there taking notes. Uh, you're almost reverse engineering a sermon. But what you're doing is you're getting rich application. You're getting them thinking through it. There's a collaboration now in the word of God. It, uh, a preacher friend of mine would do this with his guys. He would get some guys together in his garage, and uh, he always had a case of beer on hand. And uh, he himself didn't drink, but he, he was connected with a brewery. And he would sit there, and they would just chat. And he said that was his best prep time. Yeah, I, I would actually say that's a brilliant idea. I um, have them sometimes. Get, get a case of beer, and I didn't hear anything else after that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I actually, I think that's a, I think that's a brilliant idea. I like that. I like that as a way to help you prep the sermon. I know that we're kind of going sideways here and talking about, um, you know, prepping sermons, but also write it out, um, you know, more than once. I would say write it out twice at least because the first time you write everything out is jumbled and things don't flow together. When you go back and rewrite a sermon out, um, you think more clearly the second time for You're me, not pressured to the finish. way that it works with me, because I do a lot of public speaking is I will usually outline what I'm going to talk about. Like I, yeah. I'm not built like you are obviously, but I can't, I can't write it out word for word. Like I know some people that's, they have to do, do it that. that way. Yeah. For me, I got to write out the outline yeah. And then I actually just practice it. You know, here's the points that I want to make here. And I'm, I'm literally like giving the speech to my computer screen Yeah, and yeah. making more and more notes of, okay, I need to make sure I hit on this, hit on this, hit on this. And that's how I'll do my, my outlines. So, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And, and know thyself as the golden rule. Like we said in our preaching series, that's the best way. But hey, um, that's all the time we got today, guys. We just barely scratched the surface of this, but hopefully it's enough to get you uh, a little bit more time of survivability. The good news is it won't always be this tight, and you will have more freedom and more time in future. And until then, guys, keep your hand to the plow and uh, focus on your family and focus on Jesus. And one thing we didn't mention is that most important relationship with this, which is with the Lord. You spend time with Him in the morning. Get up earlier. Go to bed sooner, and uh, make sure you're getting that good time with Him. And that has a lot to do with your heart and your attitude, which is to me the biggest Achilles' heel that we didn't mention in trying to juggle everything. Well, that's all the cool. time we got. Oh, should we uh, should we do our commercial? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, uh, just you know, real quickly, if. Uh if you are sick and tired of doing all of that bookkeeping, payroll, insurance for your church plant, then you need to head on over to simplifychurch.com. Hook up with those guys because those guys can totally help you out and save you all kinds of pain and anguish in your church. 
and that's simplifychurch.com. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. This has been the Church Planner Podcast, and this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 